I'm sure it's already been mentioned, unfortunately, there's been some sickness going through our household, and I haven't been feeling so great myself. Um, and nobody's tested positive for anything, but rather than come here and, and possibly make some other people sick, uh, we thought it'd probably be best that I just record this prior and, and stay home, and probably also save myself like uh, $20 in petrol by not leaving the house as well. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret to anyone that the cost of living is rapidly increasing, whether it's food, petrol, utilities, it just keeps going up and up. And I know for myself, the cost of some things I now take into consideration that, that I wouldn't have been so fussed about before. Like before, I generally try to get my petrol where it's cheaper, but if I needed to get some and somewhere else was more convenient on the way home, if it was a reasonable price, then I'd just stop there, even if it was a bit more than somewhere else in town. But now, I'll often think days in advance about what days I'll be driving past the cheapest petrol stations in town to, to make sure that I get my petrol there. Or when it comes to food, rather than just getting everything in one big shop, there are now specific food items that we get from specific stores depending on who has the best deals to try to keep spending down. And we're doing fine financially. I don't want to give the impression that we aren't. But it just feels think when your spending habits don't change, and yet somehow you're suddenly spending more money than you were before. And so me and my wife, we feel the need to be proactive in doing what we can to reduce the increase of those costs, as I'm sure most of you have also felt those too. And so I'm now considering costs more than I did before, or even costs that I didn't really consider at all before. And you know, a couple of years ago, um, I went on a similar journey when it comes to my faith. You see, I'd been reading through the book of Acts, and I was really blown away by the way the early church operated and worked together. Just the, the all-in attitude that they had, I, I just found really incredible. And I started thinking about, what would it take to replicate that? What would it look like to look like that as the church today? And at the time, I was getting ready for our, our young adults camp um, that year, and we've got another one coming up soon, which is really exciting. Uh, but, but back then, I was thinking, you know, how could we possibly use the weekend of camp to help cu cultivate that all-in sort of attitude? And so I started thinking about what would be the barriers to going all-in as followers of Jesus? What might be some of the reasons that we would keep our faith at arm's length? And one of the things I realized especially for those of us who have grown up around Christianity, was that I never really had to consider the cost of following Jesus. Growing up, whether intentionally or not, I feel like being a follower of Jesus was taught to me as being primarily a ticket to eternity. If you just believe Jesus died for you, you'll get to go to heaven one day, and, and that's kind of the main point of becoming a Christian. And then you tell others about Jesus so that they can go too. And not that there's no truth to that. You, you know, you do get to be with God one day. Um, but when the gospel is presented in that way, it kind of feels like when ads or commercials have a, a little asterisk next to them. And then somewhere else in fine print, somewhere down at the bottom, there's all the extra information that you probably need to know, but it's not as exciting or as appealing. And so it's likely that, that people aren't going to be willing to go all in on this journey of following Jesus if they don't know that there is an expectation for them to go all in, if they don't know that it's more than just getting to spend time with God in eternity. You know, there, there is a cost to following Jesus, and it will require time and energy, and often difficult decisions and sacrifices have to be made. It is far more than just believe 
and go to heaven. There's actually a lot more to consider in that decision of following Jesus. A lot more that Jesus himself wants us to consider before following him. You see, throughout the four Gospels, Jesus tries to clarify that being his follower isn't going to be easy. And so what does that look like and what should we expect? What is the cost of following Jesus? Well, this series is designed to explore those questions and look at some of the more challenging statements that Jesus makes to help us understand what exactly Jesus is calling us to. And so we hope and pray that this series brings about clarity of the call that is on all of us as followers of Jesus. You know, I'm sure many of you are aware that the elders have posed three questions for us to consider this year. Who am I inputting into and who is inputting into me? How am I sharing my faith and how am I serving? And to do those things well, there's going to be a cost, right? There's going to be a cost. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. And so with the series, we want to explore the fact that there is an expectation from Jesus that following him will cost us in a variety of ways. But it is a cost that is totally worth it. And you know, Luke chapter 14, it's one of the places where Jesus just really lays it out for us. The cost that he wants us to consider. And that's where we'll be uh, primarily spending our time this morning. And so if you want to turn there with me, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. And the verses will also be on the screen if you want to follow along there. But this is what it says, starting in in Luke chapter 14, um, verse 25. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. There's a bit more to this journey than just believing and going to heaven, eh? If you believe that Jesus died for you, um, you will be saved. That's guaranteed. Romans 10 confirms that for us. But there's also going to be, or there is supposed to be, this full-on journey that follows that decision. Is going to be a cost. You know, we aren't just hanging out for heaven. And Jesus wants us to seriously consider if we're up for it before we make the decision to follow him. That's what he's laying out for us here. But I, I recognize that even if you're willing to give, give it all to follow Jesus, some of the language that he uses here is really strong, right? It's quite hard to stomach. It's quite hard to take. You know, he says, by comparison, hate everyone else. It just seems a bit full on, right? And it feels inconsistent with the kind of people that Jesus calls us to be. Um, But that's why I really appreciate the way the New Living Translation adds in by comparison. Because when Jesus says hate, he doesn't mean hate in the sense that we understand, like a, a strong distaste for somebody else. 
he's using a Hebrew idiom of the time, an, an expression of over-exaggeration to portray the importance of something. And this idiom that he's using here essentially means to cut someone off from their inheritance. So what Jesus is saying is that by following him, what you are doing is you are choosing to lose all that you have built up for yourself and even what you've built up for others. You see, in Hebrew culture, you were essentially your parents' retirement scheme. And so there was this expectation from your family you know, that you would either work in the family business or do something that would help provide for your entire family, your parents, your siblings, um, and so on. But by following Jesus, you're essentially saying, I'm willing to give all that up. Which by comparison in that day and age looks like you're saying, I hate my family. Because they have this expectation of you to provide financially for them. You know, if you think about the disciples, they all ditched their careers to follow Jesus. And those would have been jobs that their entire extended family would be expecting a piece of in some way. And so it's like saying, sorry, sorry, mom and dad, you know, I know financial security is what you expected from me in your old age, uh, but I can't guarantee that by following Jesus. If someone is in need, I'm going to help them. If my job is getting in the way of sharing the gospel, then I'm going to cut back my hours or I'm going to do something else. Following Jesus is my priority. And so hating the others Jesus listed just means you're saying, I can't guarantee you the inheritance you expect from me. In, in our day and age, that could look a number of different ways. It could mean moving away from relatives, maybe even going overseas. It could mean having, not having a lot of money saved up to pass on to your, your children or your family when you die. It could mean not pursuing the career your family wanted you to have and, and maybe even helped fund your study to, to do. You know, it could be a number of different things. But then, you know, you're also saying this to yourself too, right, as a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, yes, even your own life. You know, the plans that you had for yourself, the career path, the quick route to retirement, the big house, the sports car, getting married. As a follower of Jesus, you might have to say bye to all of that. In fact, you may end up doing the complete opposite. He may ask you to just grab any old job that gives you a bit of money so you can focus on something else important that he wants you to do. Instead of having a big house, you may not even be able to have your own house at all. Forget 65, right? Retirement may not actually be an option. And not to say that those things are necessarily bad and, and that you can't have a career or a house or retire, but rather that you aren't living in a way where those things are your unadjustable goals. Instead, that you'd be willing to sacrifice any of those dreams in an instant to follow Jesus. That you'd be willing to give all you've saved away if you knew someone or somewhere else needed it more. That you might feel God say, hey, I need you here, and you would drop your study or your career, and you would go. You know, following Jesus could cost every earthly thing that we desire. And again, there's nothing wrong with having a job that you enjoy, or a home you own, or plans for retirement, and so on. But it's more that you, you would live in such a way that those things are just things. Right? And that you'd be willing to drop any of them in an instant to follow where God is calling you. And that's why we see Jesus specifically tie in ownership in the final verse. Right? He says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Which, at first glance, could almost seem like an extra thought that he's tacked on to the end. Right? Jesus has been talking about considering the cost of following him, and you know, that your love for others will have to pale in comparison to your devotion and love for him 
And then he says, you also must be willing to give up everything that you own. But when we understand what Jesus meant by hate, then we understand that this whole passage is about being willing to give up ownership, positions, to give up the possibility of your own inheritance and the inheritance that you are expected to be by those around you. And so that's what Jesus expects of us. That's what he expects of his followers, to be willing to give up every earthly position or goal if that's necessary, if that's what he's calling us to. That is the cost. And if, like me, you've never had the opportunity to consider these things when you first believed, well, as we consider other costs in our lives, now could be a good opportunity to also consider these things. Am I prepared to live like this? Am I prepared to give up everything? If you were able to join us for the kids' service last week, I reckon the video uh, that we watched about the Mandel Schroeder um, is a great example of what living sacrificially like this can look like. You know, a man who was willing to live incredibly simply his whole life so that when he passed away, all the money that he had saved could be used to put 33 young people through university who wouldn't have otherwise been able to afford it. You know, he was a truly incredible man and and a great example of the sorts of things that God could call us to as a follower of him. But hey, Jesus recognizes how big of an ask this is. He understands that. He is so good and he cares about us so much and, and he sympathizes with how big of a deal this is. And so that's why he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. And then he gives us two illustrations of someone starting or committing to something that they can't finish. And I find this so interesting because I feel growing up for me, it was taught that, you know, the goal was to get people to say a prayer to be saved. And if people are interested in what you have to say, then you just do it right there. And then, you know, you take the opportunity and you get them sealed for salvation. But Jesus is like, no, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. Do you really want to do this? This is what I'm asking you to do. Are you up for that? You need to think this through, right? This is a big deal. This is a big decision. But considering the cost, I think then makes that moment of belief so much more powerful. Because when you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you know what you're saying when you you say that, right? When you declare that, you know what you're willing to give up, what you're willing to sacrifice. And that's massive, right? It's a big deal to make a declaration like that. You know, it's far more than just a free ticket to eternity. You're saying, I am willing to lose it all for you, Jesus. And so that's a really special and significant decision to make when you've got that in mind. And it it blows me away that Jesus would say this, right? That you need to think about whether or not you want to do this. And, you know, again, God is so good and he's so loving and he's so caring. Uh, But it blows my mind because if you think about whether you want to do this, and you come to the conclusion, no, I don't think I do, I don't think I can, well, the alternative is not great, right? It's to be eternally separated in some way from God. And so when Jesus says, I want you to think about, am I up for this? He knows the alternative. And he doesn't want that for any of us at all. That's why he went on to give his life for us, right? So that we wouldn't have to be separated from God in eternity. But in his love, He gives us the choice and he says, hey, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. I'm not going to make you do this. You have a choice. If you want to just go on and live a comfortable life, you can. 
And so even when eternity is at stake, Jesus would say, hey, I love you, and so I'm going to let you decide. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm not, you know, I'm going to go on to give my life for you. That's how much I love you. But if you don't want it, you don't have to take it. That's how good he is. That's how truly worth following he is. And it must break his heart when we say no, but truly loving someone means pointing them in the right direction and allowing them to make their own decisions. You know, forcing someone to do something, controlling a person is not love. In fact, we would call that abuse. And so Jesus says, have a think. Do you want to do this? You choose. You choose the choice is yours. You know, if you've ever had your heart broken before, you know that love can hurt, right? It can hurt. It can be painful. When I finished high school, I felt like God was calling me to go into ministry. And so to do that, I signed up to go to a Bible college in the States. Uh, But at the time, I had been dating a girl for two years, and going would mean that I would have to leave her behind in Scotland. And so that was really hard, right? It was really hard, and and, uh, we were both really hurt by that, and it took a a long time uh, to move on from that. And love and, and heartbreak, it can be painful. And so I think God gets that. He gets that, right? He feels that because every time one of us says, nah, sorry, God, this isn't for me, it must break his heart. It must break his heart. But in his love, he lets us choose. In his love, he lets us know, hey, following me isn't going to be easy. I really hope you do. I really hope you do choose me. But the choice is yours if you don't. What a God, eh? What a God, man. He's he's so good. He's so good. And I think it's cool to be able to consider that as we celebrate Matariki this weekend. You know, there are many elements that make up Matariki, but it is essentially a harvest festival, you know, using the stars to determine the seasons and the timing for gathering, storing, and planting. And so like traditional Matariki celebrations, it can also be a great time to reflect and thank God for all he has given us, knowing that we too can face the coming heart of winter with confidence in his provision. He is good. He is trustworthy. He has gone to extreme lengths to connect us to him. And even if we have to give up a whole lot to follow him, we can trust that he will give us exactly what we need. And so that's why I personally would say that, yes, the cost is worth it. The cost is worth it. Yes, it could cost a lot. Yes, you may have to give it all up, your time, your finances, your career, your study, your relationships. But if it is to serve this kind of God, then I think it's totally worth it. A God that loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you because our choosing to do wrong meant that we couldn't be in his perfection. And his son Jesus would take on everyone's sin so that we would be seen as perfect even though we're not. And the fact that he would do all of that for us And then say, but I'm not going to make you accept that. I love you enough to let you choose your own path. Even though I've given everything to be with you and I made you. You know, I think that's a God worth giving everything in return for. I think the perfect illustration of this is Michelangelo's painting of the creation of Adam. You know, God, he's reaching out with everything he's got because he loves us so much. Whereas Adam's stance is more of a, you know, I'm not sure if I'm so keen. And that's us, right? That's us. God is going to such great lengths for us, but he leaves it up to us whether we reach back towards him. But God doesn't want us to just half commit, right? Kind of like Adam is in that picture, A. You know, Jesus said, otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. 
And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. You know, he doesn't want us to look foolish. He cares about our integrity. He cares about the way we are perceived. He doesn't want us to jump ship when things get too hard and for people to say, you know, well, I thought you were a Christian. You know, what happened? What happened to that? You know, he wants us to think it through before we make a commitment to following him. And so I really encourage you to take some time this week to consider what Jesus is asking of us as followers of him. You know, this is what God expects from me to follow him, to be willing to lose it all. Am I willing? Am I willing? Let's take some time to count the cost. You know, am I in this for more than just a ticket to eternity? Because maybe you've never had the opportunity to do that. Maybe no one has ever shared with you what Jesus expects of us, what Jesus asks of us. Maybe you've been riding the ticket to heaven train your whole life and you haven't had the chance to think this part through. And and so now as we consider other costs in our life, it could be also a good time to consider this as well. And who knows, you know, what the res- result of, of thinking these things through could be. You know, it could be simply to give your time in the form of inputting into others as a leader at Alpha, as, as Nathan has talked about. Or it could be as a mentor, as we've still got a number of young guys and girls who are keen for mentors, and we've already uh, almost paired um, all the current potential mentors that we have registered. You know, young people are so keen for your time, your wisdom, to speak into their life. And so that could be the way that, that you give back. That could be the way that you give to God and to this community to, to mentor someone. Thinking through these things could cause you to make some adjustments to your finances and how much you give to others. Thinking through these things could mean reducing hours to spend more time in other areas that you feel that God is calling you to. It could mean packing up and heading overseas to share the good news of Jesus elsewhere. I don't know what specifically, but you know it's hard to just keep hanging out for heaven when you know that Jesus has called you to so much more. And I just want to wrap up by sharing a story with you of a man that I think is a great example of someone who understood the cost and was willing to give it all. And he's actually the man behind a song that probably many of us know. It's I have decided to follow Jesus. It's a pretty famous one, and, and the origins of this song, they're incredible. You see, about 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. And as a result, uh, many missionaries were sent out from Wales to the northeast of India to spread the gospel, specifically in a, in a region called the Assam. And it was a, a pretty hostile place towards Christianity, and the missionaries there were not welcome. But they did have one convert, a man named Noxang and his family from the Garo tribe. And once he became a follower of Jesus, it was like his faith was contagious and more and more people became followers of Jesus. This made the, the village, uh, local village governance incredibly angry. And so they had the village gather and in front of everyone, they brought forth Noxang and his family and they told him to deny his faith or face death. And apparently the words of the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, are based on the reply of Noxang to the village officials. He said to them, I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. And so the village officials, they ordered Noxing's children to be executed. And that's what they did. They, they killed his children right there in front of him. Afterward, again, the village officials said, renounce your faith or we will also kill your wife. But apparently Noxing replied, though no one joins me, I will still follow. I'm not turning back. And so they killed his wife. 
They then gave him one last chance to change his mind, or he would be put to death, in which he replied, The cross is before me, and the world is behind me. I'm not turning back. And so they killed Noxing then and there. But you see, the faith of Noxing blew many of the villagers away, with many of them putting their faith in the Lord as a result. And it's even believed that the chief of the village later also became a Christian. And the words that Noxing said were formulated into a song by the Indian missionary Sadhu Sanda Singh, and they were regularly sung by Indian followers of Jesus. The song was then later made famous around the world as it was taken back to the States by American missionaries, and it later became the song that was sung at Billy Graham evangelism events. You know, following Jesus could cost us every earthly thing. But is it worth it? Well, Noxang thought so, and his final words are still words that we sing today. Now, you know, the cost, of Noxing, the, the cost that Noxing had to face may not be an extreme that we will all have to face, but would we be willing to do so if that was the situation we found ourselves in? You know, there are a lot of costs to consider in this life, and today, for many, more than there was before. But the cost that matters the most, the one we should most definitely be considering, is the cost of following Jesus. Are we up for it? Are we up for it? You know, it's something I would encourage all of us to be thinking through this coming week. And so in a moment, we're going to worship together again through song. And I'd like to invite the worship team up. And and during that time, we're going to sing that song together. I have decided to follow Jesus. Understanding what we're really saying when we sing it. What went into the words of that song when they were written. And, And if you don't feel ready to sing it yet, that's okay. That's okay. You know, it's important to have time to consider these things. But if you are ready, let's sing this together. That we believe that Jesus is someone worth giving everything for. Let's pray. Dear God, um, we're so grateful that you're so considerate of us. That, you know... The reason that we're separated from you is our own choices, our own decisions. And despite that, you went to extreme lengths to reconnect us to you by giving us your son and for Jesus to die and and to resurrect. And yet, even after doing all that for us, you still give us a choice. You still let us consider if we're up for this sort of thing. And obviously, it's the best decision that we could ever make. But you still give us the opportunity to make that choice for ourselves. And and it really speaks to you, God, and, and your character. And we just want to praise and worship you for that. And so, God, as we do consider the cost, I pray we keep that in mind. We keep in mind who you are and and how you care for us and how you provide for us, God. And and that though we may have to give up many earthly things, it's nothing in comparison to gaining a relationship with you and the journey that you'll take us on, God. And so I pray, God, over the next little while, you would speak to us and, and, and show us what those costs might be for each of us, God, and that we would be willing to step into that and willing to give up those things, trusting Uh, that you've got something so much better for us, God. Thank you for your son. Thank you for you, Jesus, and and the way that you taught us and spent time here on the earth and helped us understand who you are and and what it means to follow you, God. We're we're so grateful for that. And so we're thankful for this time to to spend some time in your word this morning and and spend time with you, God, and and we pray that you would speak to us and and lead us through this week as we, we ponder on these costs. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.